Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. So good to see all your smiling faces this morning. Just loving it. And uh, just strange days that we live in. But, uh, you know, I hope uh, this morning as you, uh, you know, one of the things about preachers, we love to see people and uh, we love to see their reactions. uh, But obviously, I'm not going to be able to see you. But uh, you can help me, and you can help yourself. And I think we need to get in touch with some Pentecostal roots. What do you reckon, Pastor John? I reckon we need to hear some amens. We need to maybe just see. Remember the days when you used to jump up and stand up and just like, you remember those days? Yeah, come on, come on. Did anyone, any? Yeah, there we go. Mr. Pedersen, I see that. I see that over there. Uh, So uh, feel encouraged to just encourage yourself and encourage others with some Good old hallelujahs and just, uh, in, our, in our church, uh, the youth have this thing where they just go tap, tap. Apparently it's a thing. I don't know. Do you guys do that at Burn Youth? No? No, you do something else? Okay, it's all good. All right. Well, uh, you know, just as we were in worship, just before I get into what I want to share here this morning, is uh, I just do want to honor just uh, Pastor John and Edie and just the team here. They're just an amazing uh, blessing have been to our lives. We so value your friendship and so value just how we've journeyed with you over the years and our church and our lives are richer for the input that you've given us. And, and so there's very definitely part of the inheritance that we have at Fusion rests in this church as well. And, uh, and so I just want to honor your senior leaders. I think you have some of the best in our city. And I think it'd be fitting for us to actually stand to our feet and just show them how much we love them and appreciate them for all that they do and all that they are. We salute you. We honor you. John and Edie, you guys are amazing. Tap, tap. Excellent. Thank you very much. You know, as I was uh, just in worship there, I just felt this very simple word. I, I felt this thing of that God saying there's a new sound that's going to come out of this church. And, uh, and, and I was just kind of thinking about it. I thought, God, what is that? That, that's, that sounds like a bit of a general thing. And then I was reminded of uh, where it says in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I hope that you believe that whatever God has done yesterday... Isn't, it doesn't have to be the thing that defines your tomorrow. That actually there's greater things, there's new things, and I believe there's a new sound that God is wanting to come from this house. Uh, that what has been before has been wonderful. There's an incredible legacy that you stand on, but I believe that He is birthing new things. I believe there's a new sound. It's not only going to be in song, but it's going to just be in the sound of this house. That actually as people go and as they speak and as they communicate, that there's going to be a new thing that God is doing there's a new sound that's coming to fill the house. And so hopefully that encourages you and, and those things. But I want to speak to you this morning on, uh, I've simply entitled my message this morning, Can You See Him? And I love that your theme this year is, uh, has been centered around Jesus and radical Jesus is your theme for this month. But uh, my desire as a leader, certainly in our church, and I know Pastor John, as I've chatted with him, has been the same is that my desire is for people to have a deeper understanding of Jesus. And not only a deeper understanding in terms of their head knowledge of Him, but a deeper experience of who He is. Because I truly believe that Jesus is the answer for this world. Can I hear an amen? Jesus is the answer. We live in this age where there's so much changing on a daily basis. And let me tell you that the vaccine is not the answer. It's important, but it's not the answer. 
the answer to the world and the problems that we face ultimately is found in Jesus. And I believe that with such a passion, and I believe that the church's greatest hour is not behind it, but ahead of it. I believe as, as, as believers, we can see something incredible. And in Luke chapter 24, we come across uh, this account of two disciples that are walking along this road to a little town outside of Jerusalem called Emmaus. And, uh, and they had just found the tomb of Jesus empty earlier that day. And these two disciples are walking along, probably kind of walking along going, we got no idea what's happened. We don't know where the body of Jesus is. What's happening? They didn't understand what was happening when a man joins them. And it says they didn't recognize him, but it was actually the resurrected Jesus. And they had no idea that it was him. And they carry along talking about these things. And I can only imagine Jesus having a little bit of fun with them, thinking you guys are chatting about this stuff. You've got no idea what's going on. And I'm right here with you and you don't even recognize me. And it says a little bit later on, it was getting dark. And so they invited him to actually come and spend the night with them and actually have a meal. And so I want to pick it up in verse 30 of Luke chapter 24. And it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, just like we have done, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It was as Jesus broke bread with them, the very thing that he had said at the Last Supper that they were to do in remembrance of him, as they did that very thing, all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they saw what they had not been able to see before. They recognized that this was Jesus. And they recognized that their hearts had been burning within them. You see, Jesus had always been there. They just hadn't recognized that he was there. And for some of us here today, that may be a word that's just for you. You may be thinking, where's Jesus in my situation? Where's Jesus in my circumstance? Where's Jesus in my trouble? And I want to say he's there. You may just not recognize that he's there right now. And so it says everything made sense. I want to say this to you. Everything makes sense when we see Jesus for who He truly is. When you see Him in all of His glory, His splendor, His majesty, not as just the historical Jesus, but as the living Jesus, the living Word, the one who is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for you, the one who sent His Holy Spirit, His very presence to come and dwell inside of you, the one who's coming back again to claim His church. When you see that Jesus, everything begins to make sense. I want to say it this way. Everything makes sense in the face of Jesus. If you only take one thing home, take that home. Everything makes sense in the face of Jesus. These disciples were confused up until that point. They didn't actually know what was actually going on. But in this moment, all of a sudden as they saw Jesus, as they broke bread with Him, As they communed with him, everything that was confusing just a few moments ago now made sense. And if you're in a state of confusion today, I want to say to you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to your confusion. And we're going to have a look at an account today that's going to, I believe it's going to encourage you. Because we're going to look at a man who was, a man who really sought to see Jesus for who he truly was. 
And then we're going to see what Jesus did in response to him. And it's a man called Zacchaeus. And so we're going to have a look at Luke chapter 19. And we're going to read from verse 1 through to 10. And you can follow with me on the screens as well. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the, be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord look, Lord, here and now I'll give half of my possessions to the poor And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Just an amazing account. And I I, I want to say, right, I want to start right at the beginning of verse 1. It says that Jesus was passing through the city of Jericho. And I want to pause right there because I think it's an important thing for us to actually realize Jesus was passing through, that there are so many opportunities every single day when Jesus is passing through your situation, your life, whatever it is that you may be facing. He's passing through. And yet so often we miss this. So often we don't realize this and we think that Jesus doesn't care. Or we think that He's not present. Or we think that He hasn't got time. And that he's not involved in our lives or maybe what we're facing doesn't really rate up there with regards to what others may be facing. We kind of think Jesus isn't passing through. But the reality is oh so different. Because he is present. And he is passing through. And he does want to be involved in your life. And he does want to be involved in your situation. And he does want to be involved in your marriage. And he does want to be involved in your family. He is passing through. And you know Zacchaeus... He could, have, he could have been happily continued with his life and doing what he did every other day. But on this day, something was to be a little bit different. He became aware that Jesus was passing through. He became aware and he had obviously heard some things about Jesus. He realized that in this moment, other things could wait. The things that he had normally would have done could wait. He knew that today was going to be significant. I don't think he fully understood what was going to happen, but he knew enough. He had heard enough to know that maybe, just maybe, this Jesus I've been hearing about has got something that I need. And he was aware that he was passing through. Today could be exactly that kind of time for some of us here today. Today may be that because you may have been sitting there and you found yourself at church today and you kind of think, man, I've come because, you know, I got the email about coming to church and we had to wear masks and I felt guilty because I'd promised so-and-so I was going to be there. And and that may be the only reason that you're here. How do I know there's people like you in this church? Because there's people like you in my church. (laughs) And I've sat where you've sat before and I've felt those same kind of things. And some days you just hear because you dragged yourself here. But I want to say, praise God that you are here. 
Because even if that is the reason that you got here, I don't care how you got here. I'm just saying you got to know that Jesus is passing through. And today, just maybe, just like for Zacchaeus, it was a significant life-changing time. Maybe, just maybe, today is going to be that kind of day for you. The question is not whether Jesus is present. The question is, are you aware and are you living in the truth that He is present? The question is not, is He present? He is present. It's whether you're aware of it or not. He's actually passing through your life, your situation, your circumstance right now. And you may not feel it. You may not be totally aware of it. But I want to say to you that it is true. And maybe just like Zacchaeus today is your opportunity to see Jesus. And I'm not just talking about people who have never seen Jesus, who have never been a Christian. You know, there's people sitting in churches that you need to see Jesus afresh. You're so living on a historical picture of Jesus from days of a long gone God, which were amazing and incredible. But I believe Jesus wants you to see him today. He wants you to have a fresh revelation of who he is today. And so this could be your Zacchaeus moment. Here's the thing about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Does anyone work for the ATO in here? There's got to be some ATO employees in here. Some of you are too embarrassed to actually mention it because you might know where I'm going with this. We love the ATO. We got them in our church and, uh, and uh, you know, God bless them. We love them. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Back in this day, the, the tax collectors were not regarded very highly. And there was a reason why they weren't regarded very highly. Some of it was because they were actually collecting taxes on behalf of Rome, which the Jews of the day just didn't really like. They said, why should we pay taxes to Rome? And then Zacchaeus had a quota. So he would, he would actually have a quota that he had to match in order to give to Rome. And then anything over and above that, he would actually get to keep himself, which meant that he was probably used to ripping off his countrymen. In fact... He was so good at it, he was actually the chief tax collector. <laughs> so he wasn't just any old, he was, he was the pinnacle of it all. He was so good at it, he was the chief tax collector. And this text also tells us, not only that, but he was wealthy. So here's the thing about this guy Zacchaeus. He had title. He had money. He had power. He had profile. He had all the external things. That are the trappings of success. He had all of those things, even if it was notorious in the eyes of some. But despite all of that, he recognized that something was still missing. The world says you have all these things, it's going to be great. Zacchaeus had many of those things, and yet there was still something or rather someone that was missing from his life. He had chased after what his own people had despised. He probably would have been seen as a traitor by them. His own family possibly would have, would have actually have disowned him. We know that he wouldn't have been able to have worshipped in the synagogue. And he had all of these things. And so even though it looked like he, he might have had it all on the outside, on the inside, things weren't stacking up the way that they promised. Your career... Is not the answer. Getting more money in the bank is not the answer. Those things can be helpful. They can be good. They can be. They they have a place, but they're not the answer. They're not the savior. There's one savior, and his name is Jesus. 
And we've got to be careful that we don't become so consumed with these other things that we begin to replace the Savior with these other things. So you have money, you're happy. You don't have money, you're sad. You get a promotion, you're happy. You get overlooked for that promotion, you're sad. There's a secret of contentment that's found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And he wants us to live in that. Zacchaeus was that. And, and, and so even though he looked like he had it all on the inside, we know that on the, on, on the outside, things were not as they should have been on the inside. Yeah. Every one of us have been created to worship God, to serve his purposes, to build his church, to see his kingdom extended. And when we replace our divine purpose, when we begin to chase after other things instead of seeking the one who is the savior of us all, that's when we find emptiness and dissatisfaction and a lack of completeness that begins to reside inside of some of us. And that may be you today. You might be saying, that is me. You've just read my resume. I feel empty, I feel incomplete, I feel dissatisfied. And I want to say to you, the story of Zacchaeus is a story of hope for you. Because when you see Jesus, He is the answer. You know, there's three things that Zacchaeus did, and then there's a number of things that Jesus did in response. And I, I want to take some time to just have a look at those. And the first thing that we see what Zacchaeus did in this desperation to see Jesus is that it said this, he wanted to see Jesus in verse 3. He'd obviously heard enough around the traps about the miracles, the signs and wonders, the changed lives, the things that were going on that just piqued his interest enough to get him to interrupt his routine. Whatever it is he would have been normally doing. As he reflected on his own life, he realized, man, things are not stacking up. There's something missing. And he was intrigued by this Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, this Jesus had the answer. He wanted to see Jesus. He wasn't forced to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He had some obstacles he needed to overcome. We know that it says that he was short in stature. And some of you who, who live in the vertically challenged world understand the problems that this can bring. I'm married to my wife. She's, she's not the tallest. And, 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 and I sometimes forget about some of the challenges that she might have. But, but it says the crowds are pressing in and all of that. And so he couldn't, he thinks short in stature. He couldn't even see Jesus. Jesus couldn't see him. He's got some obstacles. If he's wanted to see Jesus, and how many times are there perceived obstacles that we have to seeing yeah. Jesus? Yeah. And sometimes we explain it away and we rationalize it. We say, well, the reason why I'm not seeing Jesus is because of this and this and this. And we almost begin to settle for not seeing Jesus fully. Mm-hmm. So, oh, they, they, they've got all these good reasons. My past, my history, my current situation, what I've done, what I haven't done. Didn't grow up in church, whatever it may be. You know, I didn't grow up in a, in, as a Christian. I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't go to kids ministry or any of those kind of things. And I remember when I first got saved and, I first, and, and getting baptized. And I remember at my baptism, someone came to me with a prophetic word and said, you're going to be a pastor one day. And I said, what a lame thing to do. I said, who wants to be a pastor? And then the other side, there's another side of me that said, how on earth can I be a pastor? I haven't even been to kids church. Somehow I equated that, John. I think there's some truth there somewhere. 
But I felt like I just didn't have the grounding, didn't have the substance. I had these excuses. And the reality is some of us are making excuses. We're making excuses for the obstacles that are in the way. And we're settling for a lesser experience of Jesus than what we should be and what He desires for us. And I'm here to challenge you. And I can do that because I leave. (laughs) And I know you have a pastor that loves you. One of the things Jesus loves is hunger, desperation, a thirsting after him. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And I love the fact that it didn't say that they, 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 he wanted to see what Jesus was wearing. Oh, I wonder if he's wearing some of that Jerusalem Omani. What donkey is he riding? Oh, is he riding the Ferrari? Ferrari donkey. No, 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 no not a Ferrari. We've got, you know, we're McLaren. Our family's into Formula One right now. (laughs) He didn't say that he wanted to see those things. It says he wanted to see Jesus. Some of us are so caught up with the wrong stuff. We're trying to see the wrong stuff. We're so going down rabbit warrens about things. Man, you've got to start with seeing Jesus. Everything makes sense in the face of Jesus. Everything makes sense in the face of Jesus. Everything makes sense in the face of Jesus. Stop running down your little rabbit warren, your favorite little thing, and just start gazing and sitting at the face of Jesus and then see what He does in your life and see the fruitfulness that comes as a result of that. Second thing is, let me, let, me, let me just make this point. I'm amazed at how many people are seeking the wrong things. And so we seek healing instead of seeking the healer. We seek truth. So many people are concerned about truth instead of seeking the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. We seek salvation. And so many things, oh, if I just have this marriage, oh, if I just meet this person, oh, if I just get that job, oh, if I just get that house, that's going to be the answer. No, 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 instead of seeking the Savior. We find people chasing money instead of chasing the provider. We find people seeking profile, platform, recognition. Instead of seeking the one who graces us and chooses us and says, I know you by name. He wanted to see Jesus. The second thing we see is that he ran ahead in verse 4. He ran ahead. This wasn't something that a man of his stature would have done. He's the chief tax collector. And, and, and there he is running down the road, running ahead to try and catch a glimpse of Jesus. But that's how desperate he was. What I love about this is that he was saying, I'm not going to be where everyone else is now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to position myself for my future. I'm actually going to run ahead. I'm not going to be those Christians that just live in the now and just live in the moment now and it's only about now. I say, no, no, whatever I do, I want to be positioning myself for my future because I know that Jesus is passing by. And so the fact that you're here, if you came to church and you were dragged to church today, maybe your husband dragged you, maybe your wife dragged you, maybe your kids dragged you, maybe maybe God dragged you. And you might be saying, I'm not even feeling it today. Well, I'm glad you're here. Why? Because this isn't about your now. This is about your future. And you may not be feeling it now, 
But when you position yourself for your future, that's when Jesus passes by. You know, there's an ultra marathon from where the city I'm from back in South Africa called the Comrades Marathon. It's, a nine, it's about a 94-kilometer race that they run in a day. And uh, they take turns running from the inland city down to the ocean and back again uh, on alternate years. But what we would do, we'd always know someone who was running the race. And so what you would do is you wouldn't go stand, kind of try and, okay, I'm going to wait until, until they exactly hit that point, and then I'm going to run up to the side of the road and catch them there. No, you wouldn't do that because they were gone. There were so many people you'd miss. What you would do is you'd go further down the road on the route, and you'd wait in anticipation because you knew they were coming. For some of you, that's what you pitching up at church every Sunday is. You're positioning yourself down the road and you're saying, Jesus is coming. He may not be here right now. I may be feeling it right now, but I know he's coming. This is about my future. It's not just about my present. Too many Christians are just living in the present. And I'm all for the experiential present, but I'm saying there's a bigger thing, which is the future that we need to position ourselves for. And so he ran ahead. The third thing is that he didn't just run ahead, but it says he climbed to a higher place. He literally got out on a limb. That was a good joke. Good. I'm a granddad, so my jokes get better and better. That was something for a child to do, not the cheap tax collector. But so desperate was he that he was prepared to, to, he just didn't care what anyone else, he didn't care. He was prepared to look like a fool and get ridiculed. And I believe that often one of the big things that gets in the way of us seeing Jesus for who he truly is, is pride. We want to be so in control of our lives. We want to be so in control of our response. We're so concerned about our reputation. We're so concerned about what others think. But Zacchaeus said, actually, he said all that side away. And he, and, and, he, and he kind of says, actually, I don't want to see Jesus. And so he gets to a higher place. We need to get to a higher place. We need to get elevated. We need to get above our normal and throw aside our pride and actually get into the line of sight of Jesus. Getting out of a limb is not about being perfect first. Because Zacchaeus, we know, wasn't. He wasn't perfect. But it's about putting yourself out there. And actually acknowledging you have a desperate need for Jesus. Seeing Jesus is about wanting what He wants more than what you want. But you've also got to make sure that you're climbing up the right tree. I'm amazed at how many people are barking up the wrong tree. That was another joke, John. You got it. The rest, they were a bit slow to catch that. Some of us are barking up the wrong tree, if we're honest. But you've got to make sure that you're on a tree that's the right tree, that we're doing that. And so, and so Zacchaeus does these things, which seem simple things, but they actually are quite profound. And then Jesus does a number of things in response. And what we find in verse 5 is that it says that Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Think about how miraculous this is. Thousands crowding around Jesus. The noise, the jostling of the crowd would have been intense. But somehow through all of this, Jesus walks straight up to this tree that Zacchaeus is in. Looks up. And sees him. Wow. What a profound moment. 
You might think that Jesus doesn't have time for you. You might think that Jesus doesn't really care. You might think he's got bigger issues to deal with than yours. You might think that, that, that I don't know if I can really, if Jesus sees me. But this account tells me something different because Jesus cannot help but stop when he sees a Jesus seeker. When he sees someone who's passionate about seeing and he wants to fix his eyes on you. He wants to gaze at you and he wants you to feel the peace, the power, the hope, his presence, his grace, that security that is only found in him. He wants you to know that he sees you. Someone needs to hear that today. Someone here needs to hear that Jesus sees you. He sees you. He hasn't just heard it. He sees you. His eyes are upon you. I think there's something within us that wants to be desperately noticed. You just have to look at kids. Being a granddad, I'm seeing it in a whole fresh way. Little kids are going to see, hey, hey, me, 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 me. Are you watching, Bobs? Yes, I'm watching. But you know, sometimes they can become a bit unhealthy as we become adults. Because we, we, we're, not, we're trying to find the answers to that need in the wrong places. And so we constantly are seeking people's affirmation. We're constantly looking for approval. We're constantly looking for acceptance. It affects how we dress, how we act, what we do, who we hang around with. But actually, it's all a mirror of actually what is the true place for, that, that we get. And we've ultimately been created. You have been created to be noticed by Him. Hello? You've been created to be noticed by Him. And when you know that, it's a liberating place. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus, but secondly, then Jesus lifts Zacchaeus up. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. The word that's actually used to describe Zacchaeus is short. Literally means, it means to have a child's body that's not fully grown. So there's a good chance that Zacchaeus was probably made fun of growing up. He was probably teased and he was probably ridiculed as some. And not only that, but now as an adult, he's a tax collector as well. Despised by many. But whereas ridicule and and, and rejection had been his norm, Jesus in this moment does something profound. And, And he takes this man and he says he calls him by name. Everyone else was putting him down. But Jesus lifts him up. You know, there's a scripture in Isaiah uh, Isaiah 49 verse 16, which has always gripped me whenever I read it. And it says this, it says, See, I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. You may have felt like things have been said about you. Maybe it's things that you've said about yourself. Maybe things that have been done to you, maybe things that you've done. That you think, I don't know if Jesus got time for me. I don't know if, if, if I can ever have what you're talking about, Matt. I want to say to you, every time Jesus looks at the scars in his hands, he sees your name, my name, your scars, my scars. I don't know about you. But that thought's profound. That thought is profound. Don't focus on your scars. Focus on his scars. 
His scars that He actually bore for you and I. And understand that your name is engraved in those scars, that He died for you, that He came for you, that He has a plan for you, that He has a future for you, and that it's good, and that He wants to lift you up, lift you up and He wants to speak dignity and purpose and hope and destiny into your life and over your life. And Jesus, here's the thing, Zacchaeus had lifted himself up into a tree, but now Jesus does something and lifts him even higher. As he calls him by name. Up until this point, Zacchaeus' name meant pure or innocent. And let's be honest, Zacchaeus was anything but that. He wasn't pure, he wasn't considered innocent. But then Jesus calls his name. And in that moment, something is activated within him, something comes alive. And now for the first time, his name begins to define who he truly is for the first time. Whereas others had mocked and gossiped and spoken about and ridiculed him, Jesus sees something different in Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, pure and innocent one. Some of us have allowed labels to sit on us. Mistakes to sit on us. Our past to sit on us. What has been done to you to sit on you. And you think that that is what defines you. But Jesus looks at you and says, I have a name for you. Just like I had for Zacchaeus. I have a new name. I have a name that I want to give you that is new. And and it says that uh, Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name and he surrenders himself by responding to Jesus' call. And he says that he climbs down. But in the surrendering, he's actually lifted up. And it says that Zacchaeus didn't debate with Jesus about it and said, Jesus, thank you, very good point. Please kind of go away and actually consider what you're saying. It says immediately. Today can be an immediately for some of you. Today can be that moment for some of you. And what does Zacchaeus do? He says, actually, I I just want to make things right. And he shows incredible repentance in his heart by offering to give back half his possessions to the poor and to pay back four times whatever he's cheated anyone out of. Jesus lifts this Jesus seeker up and gives him what the world could not. And the very thing that had been the thing that Zacchaeus has spent his life pursuing, money, now becomes the very thing that he lets go of. What is it that you've been pursuing that you need to let go of? Because when you see Jesus, all of a sudden you realize those things don't matter as much as I thought they did. And then my last points and the team can come and join me up on stage. That'd be great. Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus. Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus in verse 5. Jesus said, I must stay at your house today. I think sometimes one of the hardest things for us to grasp is that no matter what we've done in our lives, that Jesus wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. And the crowd looked on and they said, how can they go? How can he go to the house of Zacchaeus? He is a sinner. And a tax collector. (laughs) But Jesus says this to Zacchaeus. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to say and see what was lost. I love the fact that the Bible says that God does not look at us according to our, uh, according to our sins. 
and faulty ways. But he looks at us according to his unfailing love. That's the great hope of the story of Zacchaeus. Sometimes I think we believe those labels but Jesus is saying, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to change you. I'm here for you to discover that which I created you to be. I want you to walk into the fullness of that which it is. He wants to transform us. And it says that Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus gladly. Now, no fear, no condemnation, no doubts, just thankfulness. Thankfulness at the amazing grace of Jesus that He would welcome a man like him. Here's an interesting fact. We don't actually hear about Zacchaeus from this moment on in the Bible. But some commentators have said that he actually became the first bishop of Caesarea. So here's the thing. The man who started out in the story was not allowed to worship in the synagogue. Now becomes this one who's used at the very forefront of what God is doing. Matt, is there hope for me? Absolutely. Can I come back from my past? Absolutely. Can I come break free from my present? Absolutely. Can you see Him? The interesting thing is, is that this account takes place in a place called Jericho. And some of you may recognize that and say, hey, isn't that the same place? Yes, it is. It's the same place that where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River to take hold of the promises of God, the promised land that God had promised them when they came out of captivity in Egypt. They came across a city called Jericho. Had impenetrable walls. And God tells them what to do. And they obey. And they do, and they do what He says. And this incredible miracle happens and these impenetrable walls crumble as they just lift up a shout to Him. And they take in and take the city. And for some of us, you're wondering, are you ever going to see the promises of God fulfilled? Are you ever going to see that breakthrough for your marriage? Are you ever going to see your, your son or your daughter come to Jesus? Are you ever going to see that thing? You look at the future and you see defeat. But I'm here to, today to tell you that what Jesus purchased on the cross for you, He's already fought the battle. He's already fought the battle. He's already won the victory. And whatever might seem impenetrable to you, He wants to bring crumbling down. Won't you stand with me, please? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He ran ahead. He got to a higher place. It says that Jesus sees Zacchaeus, lifts him up, and stays with him. I believe there's people here in this room today that you need a fresh revelation of Jesus. Today's your day. That He wants to reveal Himself in a fresh new way to you. He wants to come and show you 
For too long, you've allowed your past, you've allowed what others have said, you've allowed what even you've said over yourself to dictate. And today, God wants to do something new. And He wants you to see Him afresh. And He wants to bring down those impenetrable walls. And He wants to begin to use you in a fresh and new way. But it starts with a response. Here's the thing is about this whole story is that it's a story about Zacchaeus who was seeking Jesus. But you know what the bottom line of this whole story is? Is that Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus already. He's seeking you out. He's looking for you. If you need to respond to Him today, why don't you just lift your hands where you are and just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm lifting myself up. I'm getting to that higher place. I'm climbing up that tree. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care if I'm a leader in this church. I don't care how long I've been here. I don't care how long I've been a Christian. But I know that I need a fresh revelation of You, Jesus. I need to see You afresh. Then just where you are, just lift up your hands. He wants to do something new and fresh in you. He wants to minister to you right where you are. He wants to come and touch you, just like He touched Zacchaeus. And His past became the stepping stone to His future. God, I thank You for people that right now are just responding to You. I thank You for hands that are raised. Lord God saying, Jesus, here I am. I'm seeking You. I'm desperate for You. And I pray that You would come right now and You would touch them and reveal Yourself to them, Lord God. That You would speak over them new names. Lord God, that You would begin to show them what they've lost sight of. And that You would begin to transform and change as only You can. I'm believing for fresh faith. I'm believing for fresh hope. I'm believing for You to do what only You can do. Lord, where we've had our eyes on other things, that our eyes would be firmly planted on You, Jesus. And that when we see the scars, we see Your hands with the scars that You bore for us. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. We're going to worship right there, but I think maybe just see. Just, uh, guys, if you've raised your hand, just keep your hands up because uh, maybe some of the people around you can just gather, just begin to turn around, just pray for one another. Just encourage one another. Just look around you to see who it is and just say, God, just I'm going to start praying for that person. I'm going to start believing for you to do something here that today would be a significant moment for them. Just begin to prophesy, begin to pray over them, begin to declare. Because you've got a mask on doesn't mean you can't do that. Of course we can. Let's begin to just begin to live it out with reality. Let's begin to believe that today would be a life-changing day for these people. Thank you, Lord. Just do your work.